It's time for The Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's The Car Doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems, and we have radio problems today, so uh, you'll have to bear with us. We're having, I guess it was a, a, a major catastrophe at the radio station that they're still working through. We thought we solved it late yesterday afternoon, and that was not the case. Uh, that that problem still still happened. Uh, this morning when we went to test things out, so we uh, we originally were going to, this is a little bit of inside radio, we are originally going to use a product called the Comrex BrickLink. It's a, it allows me to broadcast from nearly anywhere over the Internet. Normally works really well, providing there's a good solid Internet connection, which I'm actually home right now because I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but uh, normally no problem at all, so... That didn't work. Uh, for some reason, I couldn't go up on the air properly. And then I went from that to a little bit older to the um, Comrex Blue Box, which is a telephone-derived device. That, uh, But apparently they're using the other end of that at the radio station to, I don't know, keep the radio station on the air or something. So we have that issue. And now I'm on essentially a telephone running through a uh, special little device called the hybrid, which makes the phone sound better. And I'm listening on a set of headsets and and talking over a microphone. So we're hoping we're hoping for the best with whatever we have. And our plan is I wanted to be able to talk to Mr. Junior D'Amato from Junior's Automotive and. Maybe you were able to actually do that. I'm I'm not really sure. Marita, is Junior with us? Yes. All right. Junior, are you there? Hey, Mr. John Paul. Good morning. How are you, sunshine? Well, you know, it's you know, I got up early, I had a few things to do, uh had a little had a little uh, radio station problem here and uh so we're we're kinda going old school, I guess. Well so. at least your car your car started, John. That's the biggie, you know. Yeah, that is well. Uh, well, we'll put it this way. At least one out of three did. So, yeah, we'll have to check on the other ones. There you okay. go. So what's going on with Mr. John Paul and the Car Doctor program on this really nice Saturday morning? Yeah, I understand. I went away for the week, so uh, and I understand we had the best weather we've had so far this year up here in the... Uh, up here in the Bay State. Well, you know what? It, it, it is what it is here in Boston, and I know it's a cliche saying, but uh, things go okay in Beantown. And, you know, I just we're working on a couple of vehicles right now. Uh, one of my uh, gentleman neighbors uh, came in. He says, you know, my brakes are grinding. i got to be in Richmond, Virginia uh, by sunset tonight. He says, and the brakes need to be done. I said, well, at least, you know, you didn't uh, do it on the road. So, you know, I, I think if anybody is thinking about going on a trip or, you know, leaving on a Saturday, Sunday, whatever. It's a good idea to get the vehicle checked during the week prior to the day you're leaving. Yeah, always a good idea. In fact, uh, it's kind of caught up with me ahead of time. Memorial Day is coming up uh, next weekend, which means there's more people traveling over this Memorial Day coming up than there has been since 2006. 
it's up it's up almost 40 million people are going to be traveling. A lot of them are going to be on the road, and a lot of them are going to be on the road probably in the same situation as your neighbor where they you know, put gas in the car, fill the windshield washer up, and don't think much more of it than that. But, in fact, you know, cars do wear out. I've got, why do we fill the windshield washer and not check the oil, John? What's up with that? Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, that's a good question, especially as people are extending their oil change intervals. They're, they're up over, you know, you know the old the old days when uh, you know I first started to do this. It was you know every two or three thousand miles, every two or three months, and now it's uh, now it's five thousand and even ten thousand miles in some cars, and even more. I think Mercedes is up to twelve thousand miles in some of their vehicles. It's really getting kind of crazy. And you know what? The problem is is that uh, most people today are not buying cars; they're leasing them. Yeah, and they're following the ten, twelve thousand mile intervals, five, six thousand, or the annual oil change. And what happens is they don't have any problems at all, John, because they get rid of the car in the period of time, the two, three years, uh, no matter what the time period is. And by the way, if you are leasing a car for three years, um, you're going to get a phone call probably uh, two months, uh, you know, maybe two years, three or four months into the lease. Hey, John, we'd love to get you out of that lease. We're going to buy it back, absorb all the costs and get you into a nice brand-new car. How does that sound, John? And we're going to get you a rebate, and it's going to be the same or less money than you're paying now. And the reason because is a lot of things, but they want they want those used cars, don't they? Okay, that's number one. Number two, have you seen some of the 80-plus-month payments that are available today on cars? You can finance cars six-plus years now in some areas and on some cars. What is that going to do to the car companies when they uh, want you to buy another car? This going to be uh, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot with these uh, with these long, long, long uh, payment plans that they have out. But they still key in on let's lease that car. That's the way we want to do it. Yeah, let's let's lease that car. Let's uh, let's get that car out there. And you know, I got an email from someone just the other day that said, "What's the deal with used cars commanding such a fortune?" When, they, when they're 10 years old and they have 200,000 miles on them. Let me tell you, 200,000 miles is not that highly unusual anymore uh, for a lot of cars. Uh, we bought a bunch of cars from a used car dealer last week, uh, and a couple of them had only 110,000 miles on them. The Remember 110,000 miles? They were at the back of the lot. I'm telling you, John, it, it's amazing what we're seeing. And, yes, um, uh, we just uh, got rid of Carla's uh, Camry. Uh, one of our gentleman customers needed it for his daughter, and basically he says, "You know what?" He said, "This is uh, this is a bargain compared to what a new one cost." And, yeah, the uh, same person who wrote to me uh, had a kind of interesting story too, because he said he saw this. Uh, I think it was an eight-year-old Honda Accord on the. You know, on Craigslist or something, mm-hmm. and the guy said to him, "Meet me at a tar- meet me at Target parking lot at six o'clock, and I'll show you the car." Yeah. So he goes to the Target parking lot, and he says, before he gets there, he says, "Geez, four thousand dollars seems awful cheap for this car. What's wrong with it?" And he said, oh, "I just want to get rid of it." Yeah. So he gets to the Target parking lot. There's ten other guys there, and the, and all of a sudden, the guy with the car pulls up. And he says, "Okay, I got an opening bid at four thousand. Who wants to go five? And he actually tried to auction off the car in the parking lot. Yep, that's what happens, John. It's- yeah, I, I was I was sort of amazed with that one. That that you know, all of a sudden they had this uh, open auction going on in the parking lot. And it was O five yeah. Camry four cylinder with all the bells and whistles. It's got just a hundred grand on it. 
uh, what's something I think that today that car will bring like fifty five hundred dollars? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's hundred grand. Yeah, yeah. And and who knows? Maybe as the car manufacturers start doing these, you know, these two years, two and three year leases are all coming up, and they start to get some of those cars back out on the market. It might it might take a little bit of a hit off the used car market. You know, as long as you're looking for something that's only a couple years old. Now let's get to the uh, the uh, the American car platform. Those cars drop like like a ball. They really do. Mm. Um, they they take a pretty big hit when they uh, get to be a couple three years old. Uh, one of the biggest hitting cars today, believe it or not, Chevrolet Corvette. Yeah. Biggest hit car right now is the Corvette. Uh, one of the uh, the A plus cars in the American car industry that is uh, retaining value is the Hellcats. Yeah, the Hell the Hellcat is retaining retaining value because there there's not a million of them on the market, and I still don't know to this day why. But you have a Jeep, you're all of a sudden it seems like you're making money on them. Uh, my '06 my '06 Wrangler with 160 grand on it will command 12,000 and change. Three Whew. years ago, that '06 Wrangler was around nine thousand dollars. Yeah. It's crazy what's going on. Another thing, John, you know what really bothers me sometimes? I don't know what. Oh, I, I tell you, because it really is bothering me. Two things. One is that uh, you buy three tires, we're going to give you one free, as long as you uh, purchase our maintenance program. Mm. I don't need that, number one. Number two is the amount of uh, people going in for free oil changes. Uh, a lot of the uh, the big dealers are offering... Uh, anything from a free to nineteen ninety five to twenty nine ninety five oil changes, and they're scaring the bejesus out of the people that your CV boot is leaking. Uh, you need to do this. You need to do that. Your compliance bushings are bad on your Honda. I mean, it's it's got to stop, John. And and you wonder why sometimes that the you know that the trade itself just gets a bad name, and they bring people in. You know, they they come in for these. Uh, you know, almost free oil changes because let's let's look at the facts. Let's use let's uh, we won't even talk about synthetic oil yet. Let's talk about regular oil and a good quality oil filter. Five quarts of oil and a good quality oil filter is going to cost you how much? Uh, uh, well, if I had to buy it, just the product alone is going to be probably around sixteen dollars and change, seventeen, eighteen dollars, depending on what kind of uh, oil, what kind of filter. Right. So if you're buying it for anywhere from Fifteen to eighteen dollars. It's pretty hard for you to and and pay somebody to change the oil, dispose of the old oil, dispose of the oil filter properly. How are you going to do that for nineteen ninety five? Well, I I heard one company that was advertising twelve ninety five oil changes. Call for details. Yeah, it's the details that get you, isn't it? Yeah. The other thing is that uh, what is regular oil and what is um, you know fifty fifty uh, oil, virgin one hundred percent virgin oil. There are some companies out there actually recycling oil and uh, using a, a mixture of fifty-fifty. I, I was blown away. Yeah, I saw. I saw that. That was. Uh, I saw that at one point, and they were really trying to push it as it was a green oil. It was environmentally more sensitive. I don't know. What, for me, I kind of want real. I want a hundred percent new oil in my car. Anyway, all right. Let's talk going real quickly, Mister John, if we could. Heated steering wheels. Yes, sir. Heated seats. Yes. Only found in the more expensive vehicles these days. You don't find them in little entry-level cars, do you? Or do you? Or do you, yeah. Ford Focus. 
uh, I had a couple of weeks ago. You may have gotten involved with it and driven it. I was completely blown away. Three cylinders, heated steering wheel, heated seats, 22 and change. What a great car it was to drive. Yeah, I drove, I recently drove the Chevrolet Cruze. Again, you know, fairly inexpensive car. Had heated everything. Not to mention you have that uh, the hotspot system, they call it, uh, for your uh, Wi-Fi or whatever they call that kind of stuff, which I'm really not up on. Well, you know, you, you, you say that. You're one of the most technically advanced guys that I know. So. Yeah, well, when it comes to knowing how to program your phone and stuff like that. But for anybody that's interested, there is now, I think, an alternative for uh, the inputs that we've learned to love for many, many years. And, again... Uh, yeah, I know you had a problem with your transmission in your Chrysler. I know that you had a problem with the head gasket in one of your old Chevrolets. I know you had all these problems. You know what? They all have had their problems over the years. Mm-hmm. So it might be worthwhile now to go back and try to try one of the old USA cars because you could be really amazed. Like the three-cylinder uh, little Ford I had with a little yep. turbocharger. You know, you can definitely tell it doesn't have four cylinders. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, I was grabbing 30-plus miles per gallon. Oh, sure, yeah. And I had a heated steering wheel and a heated seat. Yeah, the cruise that I drove, it was, I think it was, as I recall, it was up over 40 miles per gallon. Yeah. it's uh, They're really trying to do it. And don't have the noise from these engines that we had prior. These engines are much, much better uh, than they have been in the past. And, again, the dealerships, what do you want, John? Mr. Paul, how can I help you today? It isn't mm. like, you know, what do you want now? Uh, that, that's the way the car is. You have to live with it. We don't hear that anymore, John. No, it, really. It, and, you know, you said something about try some of the American cars. You're absolutely right because, you know, you, if you – and you said they all have problems. You look back, you know, Honda's, Honda's had problems with transmissions. Toyota's had problems with engines. Everybody's had a problem. Yep. In fact, Toyota still had some uh, issues up to a couple of years ago with oil consumption. So did Nissan and their four-cylinder engines. Sure, yeah. Between the piston rings and this and that. But, you know, it is what it is. At least we're finding now that the dealers, uh, when you make a complaint out, are at least stepping up to the plate and making things happen, which is uh, which is pretty gosh darn good, I think. Yeah, well, speaking of Nissan... Uh, how do you? How are the uh, how are the new CVT transmissions holding up in your mind with Nissan? They seem to be the one that uses CVTs, continually variable transmissions, more than anybody. Yep, um, I can tell you that uh, we are servicing them now like crazy. Uh, we've had uh, one account that had 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. Everyone at seventy five thousand uh, went to heaven. It had, they had to put training, transmissions in for 3000 bucks. Mm-hmm. I just had a 2012 the other day. Uh, gentleman says the car needs a tune-up. It's not going anywhere. So what do we got? He says it's a Nissan Altima. How many miles? 80000 I says, we need a transmission in this car before mm. we even touch it. So what we did, you're going to love this story. We ended up bringing it in, uh, pulling a pan down, flushing it out, putting all fresh fluid in it. And, of course, did it make a difference? No. I said, here's a technical service bulletin. Here's your receipt for cleaning it up. You bring it to the dealer, and guess what? They're going to do, give you a training without any question at all. Mm. Everything up, 80,000 miles. Well, we had all the paperwork. We had the TSB uh, from both Aldater and Identifix. That was a Nissan uh, TSB. $3,300 later, three days later, the car's back into my shop for a brake job. Mm. You know, he says, this is why we go to AAA-approved garages. 
And he, he, he says, I would have paid you the 3300 mm. So, yeah, we're still seeing problems, but uh, we just had a Subaru last week uh, that had a CVT, and they're all going without any issues right now. But, you know, if you had an older CVT, uh, if the transmission fluid is at all brown or burnt or smells, uh, yeah, it's, it could be on its last leg. And a quarter transmission fluid for a CVT averages right around 19 to $31.00 depending on what brand of car it is. The average is 1995. Mm. Ford uses a lot, and Ford had a lot of troubles uh, with their CVTs. 06, 07, uh, I think it was, what was it, the Ford 500s? Yeah. yeah, those were terrible. Yeah, we had a lot of transmission yeah. troubles with those. Everybody and saw those, yeah. These are the things that happen. Yeah, remember, remember when there was two kinds of transmission fluid? There was Dextron and Ford, and that was it. Well, you had, yeah, you had the, uh, the Dextron and the Type F. Yep. You realize, I'm going to tell you something, John, we still, it's very hard to get, but we still use a lot of Type F transmission fluid in the older vehicles, uh, including General Motors, because if you have a transmission that's, let's say, not shifting 100% or slipping a little bit, the coefficient of drag and the properties in the Type F allow you to have a much crisper shift and it can eliminate some of the slippage, believe it or not. And if you can't find it, you can go to any speed shop online, yeah. any of those places, and buy the B&M Trick Shift transmission fluid. Right. I, I was going to say, all the all the performance guys know that's what you put in was Type F, because that always worked. In fact, the transmission shop I used to use over in Quincy, that's the only fluid he would put in any kind of transmission. Now, this, now granted, we're talking, you know, a, a you know, decades ago, yep. but he said, that's the only fluid I use. And he says, you know, I've never had one of them. I've never had anything that I had that I worked on come back. So he said, I'm sticking with the type F. It's been good to me. So I'm, that's what I, that's what I use in all my transmission. Yeah. It certainly has made, I made a big difference, John. And, uh, I understand that you had uh, a little business trip. You had to go down to South Florida. And I went, I went, to, I went down to Florida. It was more vacation than anything else. I went down to Florida, wanted to Wanted to go away. Uh, you know, unlike you, who never takes a vacation, mm-hmm. uh, I I haven't had a day off since the beginning of the year. So I thought I'd take a couple days off and go down to Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was uh, it was uh, a pretty good trip, except the plane caught on fire on the way there. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, smoke alarms went off in the plane. They had to do an emergency landing in Orlando rather than in Fort Lauderdale. So they said they said to me. Uh, you know when you sit in front of the, the emergency exit seat and they say, hey, you know, you sit here, there's some responsibility? This time they were really serious because the flight attendant came over to me and said, she said to me, yeah, uh, you know, as we get to landing, I need you to pull that plastic shield off, grab that red handle, and kick the door open and help people off the plane down the slide. I like that idea. Yeah, other than, other than uh, the only problem with it, we never actually had to do that, but uh, it, uh, you knew it was a little nervous. At one point, I looked over at one of the flight attendants, and she looked like she was crying. Yeah, that would uh, definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah, that you know that you know, and, and the poor the there was a there was a two young younger women sitting next to me, and one of them apparently recently got married, and I don't know if they were going on a cruise or something. And she looks at me and says, "You know, aren't you scared?" And I'm like. Well, you know, we're all going to die someday. I just don't think this is it. You know, I, I said, yeah. Well, I said, and if it is, what, well, there's not anything I can really do about it either. 
No, you just yeah. uh, you know, so, uh, the boat. I, I said, I'm, I'm just hoping for the best. But I, I did learn one other thing. Apparently, if the plane is going to crash, they have you close the window shades because they don't want you looking out the windows. Well, I can understand yeah. that. How bad was it going through the uh, the TSA screening process? Um, I, for some reason, both up and back, I had that pre-check thing where you didn't, you don't have to, you can leave your shoes and your belts on and all that stuff, and. It was actually both in, I flew out of Providence, and both airports, uh, the lines weren't too bad at all. So, But I understand in Atlanta yesterday there was a three- or four-hour wait to get through TSA, and, and our, our Senator Markey, I guess, was on the news this morning saying, you know, part of the problem is you're forcing everybody to carry on bags, which is slowing everything down. You know, the airline's got to stop charging extra for bags. Well, the airlines right now, uh, they're, they're really making some serious money from what they're doing. They haven't really adjusted their prices, per se, uh, and they are putting the money away for the rainy day that is going to come around the corner, and uh, we're going to uh, see that. There's no question about it. So some of the new cars that we've been driving, John, you know, people under, really don't understand that uh, for probably 30-plus years, both you and I and a lot of people have been driving different cars pretty much on a weekly basis giving our evaluations, and the questions I get to everybody uh, from a lot of people is, you know, you really can't say anything bad about the car you're driving, can you? No, it's pretty It's pretty hard to find a car that is just so poorly designed or so underpowered or, you know, things, you know, there's some things that I still find frustrating, and, yep. I, and I don't care if it's, you know, a premium car like a Jaguar or a Land Rover. Some of the navigation systems are just terrible to use. Uh, they're they're just aggravating as can be. They take your you have to take your eyes off the road to change the radio station because they incorporate everything into that. Those are not necessarily well thought out controls. They look nice, but they're they're not necessarily well thought out. You know, but most of them most of them are pretty good cars though. Yeah, I would say that we really can't badmouth the cars anymore because we don't have anything to badmouth. But we do tell it like it is, and you can't fluff make a fluffing nutter out of something. Uh, and try to sugarcoat it, because if a car has an issue, it, it has an issue. And like you said, uh, the cars that we are getting to drive, and by the way, I kind of love my job. Yeah. You know, and um, the cars that we get to drive and talk and write about, I think people uh, really now, they say, well, these guys are pretty straightforward. You know, they're not uh, sugarcoating what they're writing about. And uh, the manufacturers, they feel pretty confident in what we're doing uh, right now with um, all their cars that they're giving to us to drive, and they're getting uh, back some good feedback, uh, I would say 99% of the time. I really haven't found a whole lot of problems with a whole lot of these vehicles other than what happened to the little mid-sized cars. We don't yeah. have mid-sized cars anymore. You look at a Toyota Corolla, that's the size of a Camry a few years ago. Yeah, it really is. In fact, when I was in Florida, I was driving a Nissan Altima, which is the size of a Camry, which is almost the size of a Camry, and that was that was going to be when the Altima came out. It was going to be sort of a Corolla Civic kind of car, and it's grown and grown and grown. And it's truly, it's truly a mid-sized car now. The 16 Altima uh, prototype that was in the press fleet, again, heated steering wheel, heated seats, four-cylinder, CVT. What an amazing car that was. Yeah, no, it's that that was a car that. Uh, it was uh, it was comfortable to drive. It got great fuel mileage. I I didn't put a lot of miles on the car while I had it because I only had it for a few days down in Florida. But but it, an awfully nice car for people if they're looking for a, a nice mid-sized car that does everything you need it to do. It's easy to drive. It's easy to park. It 
gets up to highway speed just you know just fine it, you know what what a nice comfortable car you know and uh, you know like like you said you and I have been doing this for a long time in fact you know I I remember I remember when I first came to AAA 30 something years ago you had you know I was running our little auto diagnostic center in Rockland you had your shop in Hyde Park and uh you know, you would occasionally, when you had your radio show on RKO, occasionally would say, you know, bring your car into the AAA Diagnostic Center. And you and I got talking one time, and I came on your show, and yep. I and I and I said, uh, and and they asked me probably sometime before that, that uh, you know, hey, can you go in and fill in? You can you go in and do this uh, radio show on Sunday night? And I had no interest of ever being on the radio. And in fact, it it made me nervous to be on the radio. And yes. you said you you gave me a little piece of advice, and you said to me, if uh, if uh, you know this is going to be part of your job, why don't you find a little radio station somewhere and volunteer to be on the radio? And that was that was WDIS in Norfolk. No one ever heard of it, and it was on the air up until a couple of years ago, and it finally went off the air. But uh, but you, it was your little bit of advice that. Uh, that actually got me into saying, "Hey, if I if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have to be on the radio doing interviews about AAA, I might as well get somewhat comfortable at it." And it was it was your advice, and you had your you had your show in Boston, you had your syndicated show on the Talk America Radio Network, and occasionally you I would fill in for you, and you know it was uh, it's been it's been a long run for thirty years. It's, it's been a great long run, and we've had some. Uh... Some good times along the way, and we're seeing that uh, we've gone from points and spark plugs to computers and all kinds of crazy ignition systems. We have push-to-start vehicles now. Uh, we have ignition switches that, uh, you know, have plastic keys. We have all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, who would have thought, you know, 20 years ago, you can walk up to your brand-new 2016 Corvette convertible, push the little key fob from outside the car, not only unlock the doors, roll the windows down, but to, to put the top down before you even get in the car. Mm, no, you're, you're right. In fact, uh, my uh, who could how can I describe him? My boss's boss's boss at work has a Tesla, and I hadn't been in it before. And he and he said, uh, "Hey, you want to go for a ride?" And I said, "Sure." And he walks out and he pulls out his phone, and the car backed up to come get us. Isn't that pretty amazing? Yeah. And pretty quick car too. Yeah, the uh, let me get rid of this noise. The um, Tesla, uh, they had the Tesla and the Hellcat at the drag strip recently, and a quarter mile. The Tesla was faster than the Dodge Hellcat. Yeah, I think I saw I saw a video of the the Tesla, um, the Model X, I guess, which is sort of their SUV looking one, and it actually had in an eighth of a mile. It was towing a Hellcat on a trailer, and it was racing a Hellcat in the next lane, and it towing the trailer, it beat the Hellcat. You know, I, it's crazy. I would love to see them take the uh, Tesla and put uh, an extender engine in the back of it. Yeah. No, they're, they're you know, my, my, boss, uh, my boss has a, a, a daughter who lives up in New Hampshire, and I said, how are you with range? And he said, you know, I've got pretty much everything sort of worked out. He said, but he took a he took a picture of the last you know last long trip, and he said, yeah, I rolled into the charging station with six miles left on it, uh, which is probably cutting it as close as you should ever try to cut it. Yeah, yeah. So, 
but he, you know, he's he's gotten used to it, and, and he's a car guy. He's got a he's got a couple of, he's got a couple of Mustangs. He's got a '63 split window Corvette, and he's got a couple old English cars. So he likes cars, and he enjoys performance cars. And he he said, you know, I really like this car a lot. So uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happened. I know when Tesla first came out and Fisker first came out, and I kind of said, you know, I, my prediction is these are going to be flash in the pans and. You know, we're we're going to look back 50 years from now, and they're going to be like Tuckers. You know, it's going to think, you know, it's you know the Tucker, the guy who invented the Tucker had a good time, and yeah. you know, put his third headlight in, and all this other stuff, and went to all the big parties, and it seems like that's what Fisker did. But Tesla's still Tesla's still making cars. So what about uh, Fisker? I haven't followed. Are they still around? Uh, there's a Chinese company, I guess, that bought the drivetrain, but they the Fisker was really just a glorified Chevy Volt with you know really high end interior, and they'd never tell you how many they sold because I don't think they ever really sold any. Yeah, craziness. Yeah. But now, before we let you go, I want to talk uh, about parts. Your cars and uh, people that are taking their cars now and having them repaired, which is really good. Then you go and look at the oldies, the 70s, the 67s, mm-hmm. the performance cars, and uh, it's really good to see that all the manufacturers now are putting together crate engine packages where you can go down to your local Chevrolet dealer, Ford dealer, or Chrysler dealer, and you can buy an actual not only engine, you can buy an engine transmission, wiring harness, and an ECU that does not need to be programmed for the particular package you're buying. And it also comes with the electronic gas pedal, all for a minimal amount of money compared to what we would have had to do years and years ago. And you can run through catalytic converters and uh, really clean up the economy a little bit, clean up yeah. the air. No, and and you don't have to worry about, you know, they've lightened up the rules a little bit for kit cars in Massachusetts, but not that much. But you can go out and buy one of these eco-engine kits, performance engine, right out of the box, and you don't have to worry about, oh, i gotta go find a, I got to go find another big block Chevy somewhere and go crush that and take the numbers and transfer it. And, you know, you can, you can actually build a kit car now. Yeah, and also with these kit cars, um, if you want to go down to Factory 5, and this is someone you might want to have on the program someday, um, you're going to be able to purchase a complete Factory 5 car built right from Factory 5 in Wareham probably next year. Yeah, well, no, I, I, I think he's, his open house is coming up, I think, in the next week or two. Uh, Dave Smith, the owner down there, he's a he's an interesting character. He's kind of a California surfer, you know, and uh, he likes to surf once a week and thinks everything's connected, you know, everything's connected one way or another. And I think he's right. He's a, he's but he's a he's a pretty interesting character. And they and their their new little Subaru powered car, that eight one eight, looks like a pretty hot little car. Yeah, and I'm happy to see that they're going to be able to put them together there. And again, they're using. You don't have to get these donor engine and trannies anymore. Right. You can buy brand new stuff with EFI. Put a put the correct fuel pump in the gas tank and uh, run the lines. And now they're making it so you don't have to have a return line going back into the fuel tank. Returnless uh, fuel systems, as they have on a lot of the Dodge vehicles and now a lot of other vehicles, which I think is a big plus. Yeah. No, that's really that's really true. Before we let you go, though, I want to talk about parts quality a little bit. Um, 
you know, there's no such thing. Parts aren't parts. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of junk out on the market, and a good quality shop like yours, you always make sure you use the best parts, right? Oh, well, you have to do that. In fact, one of my neighbors uh, decided he's a good, a good do-it-yourselfer. He, uh, he bought a used uh, 08 BMW 7 Series, and he says, i got to get a uh, window motor and regulator assembly. I says, you know, don't screw around. Get it right from BMW. And he says, no, nah, I can get it, you know, less than half the money aftermarket. Hmm. I said, well, go ahead and buy it if that's what you want to do. Right. He called me back the next day. He says, all back and working. It worked one time, and then it blew apart. Hmm. So I said, now you get to spend three hours to do it again. Send it back, I says, and get another aftermarket one. He says, no, I'm going to buy a, a factory one. Yeah. Speaking about some of the factory parts, believe it or not, um, we utilize at uh, both shops a lot of factory parts, and sometimes the factory parts are less money, including brake pads. Yeah. Uh, brake pads are... Thing that you really got to be very careful of, whether it's GM, Ford, Chrysler, Hunt, whatever. There is different quality now factory OEM pads that you can get right out of the, the dealerships of, um, you know, wherever the mm. car is sold, number one. Number two, you have so many aftermarket brake pads that are out there. Don't buy cheap brake pads. No, it, you know, e- even if you go into a local parts store and they say, oh, we have the, the 20 the 30 the 40 the $50 brake pad, you know, how often are you going to do brakes on your car? Put the best ones. Put the best ones they have. And I, I will go out on the limb, John, and I will tell you that using the uh, more expensive ceramic brake pads and just about every kind of car out there cuts the amount of dust by a considerable amount on the front wheels. The disadvantages of uh, you know, ceramic brake pads on an SUV or a truck is the stopping power is definitely increased a little bit because of the uh, friction capability of the ceramic versus the, uh, you know, full metallic or semi-metallic. Yep. But it's not something that unless you get out there with a yardstick and rulers and start measuring, the average consumer would not notice that. And the other thing is people are changing tires now like crazy. Mm. We're seeing fatties on these cars. They're seeing, sitting lower, and we're seeing a tremendous amount of bad tires and wheels, these fatty tires, the big tires and wheels, from all of the uh, the potholes that people are hitting. So you've got to take that into consideration as well. Yeah, the roads aren't getting any better. Let's let's give uh, let's give both your shops a plug. Uh, shop in Hyde Park's been there the longest. Uh, when when did uh, when did uh, your father open that shop? I don't know, but I can tell you that I've been there 51 years at Juniors in Hyde Park on River Street, and in Middleborough we've been here now. I think it's 10 plus years. I think it's 10 plus years, and the, and the address oh. down in Middleborough is. And both are AAA approved, and uh, we do have a very strict uh, set of guidelines. That, you know, we don't. There's no Mickey Mouse. There's no aftermarket junk parts. And if you're going to your own guy, you can't make it down here or whatever, go and see whoever you're dealing with and just say, look, I want to get a good quality part. And uh, ASC certifications are very, very, very mm-hmm. important. I don't have time to bother with that. Well, if the guy doesn't have time to bother with getting ASC certified, he probably doesn't have time to do the right job on the car you're working on. That's right. What's the address down in Middleborough? 359 West Grove, right across from Tom's Bait Shop. There you go. Everybody knows where Tom's Bait Shop is. God, and the number one place in the area for fishing. I've never seen. It doesn't make any difference, Sean, what time of the year, what season. This guy has people in there getting, you know, the, the fishing supplies and fish all the time. It's amazing. And in Hyde Park, 318 River Street, right? 13, yeah, right at Clarion Square with the train station. There you go. Hey, Junior, always a pleasure. You Talk too, to you John. soon. Have a good one. Say hello to Mrs. John. And uh, enjoy. And to our audience and listeners, you have the best weekend you can. All right. Take care, Junior. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
That was Junior D'Amato. Junior D'Amato sort of the guy who got me into radio. He's, uh, he's the one who sort of talked me into it and said, hey, if that's going to be part, become part of your job, it should become part of your job. And just, you know, start to do it. And, and who knows, it would have, you know, 30 years later, I would have been in my basement talking on a microphone, which is essentially what I'm doing right now. Why don't we take a break? Uh, we've been talking for a long time. We've been talking for about 35 minutes. Why don't we take a break? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you would like to join us, uh, apparently we can take a phone call or two. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We'll let Marita take it from here. WROL Boston. Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, W-R-O-L, the spirit of Boston, goes with you. That's because we are no longer trapped inside a radio. We are now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. We're ambiguous. On iTunes, on iHeart, on your own app, on our website, on ChristianRadio.com, on your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 9.50 a.m., W-R-O-L, the spirit of Boston. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-429-3600. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-429-3639 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-429-3639 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-429-3639. Nine. 
Sullivan Tire is proud to be New England's Michelin Tire headquarters. Michelin Tires are known for their great tread design, durability, and handling. Stop in to your local Sullivan Tire and Auto Service today and check out our new lower pricing on such tires as the Michelin Premier AS, the Michelin Premier LTX, and so much more. Remember, we'll keep your car running right all season long. Stop in for our thorough factory-scheduled maintenance check. Our ASC certified technicians will check out your battery and charging system, radiator and antifreeze, inspect your tires and air pressure, brakes, all system fluids, steering and suspension, belts, hoses, the exhaust system, exterior lights, wiper blades, and more. Head to any of our 68 locations to save big on a great selection of Michelin tires and check out the best auto maintenance in the industry. Call 877-592-TIRE or visit SullivanTire.com. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. Now let's get back to the Car Doctor program. The problems, I guess, the uh, our computer board at the radio station had a problem over the last couple of days, and they've had to, uh, I guess, to the point where the station may have even been off the air for just a bit. So. Uh, some a couple little problems, and, and they're working on that. But we're we're kind of doing a little bit the old-fashioned way. Uh, last I knew, we had Lenny on the phone. Lenny, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here, John Paul. Yes, sir. What can we do for you this morning? Uh, I have a, a an old three Nissan Altima. Okay. And about three weeks ago, I backed into a parking spot, and I got the um, one of the mufflers hooked up on the curb. Oh yeah. And uh, I had the AAA guy come out, and he helped me uh, get the car off the curb. But ever since then, I've had like a a, a loud humming noise mm-hmm. hood, and it only I can only hear it when I get it up to speed on the highway. Yeah, what probably happened? You probably just bent the exhaust system or one of the hangers just enough that it's causing it to it's causing it to uh, vibrate up against uh, the underbody of the car. So what you need to do is you need to get it into a lift, uh, into a shop where they have the best way to do it would be one with a drive-on lift, like an alignment machine, that type of lift where they actually drive it on and the weight of the car sits right on, on the wheels, just like it is when it's on the road. And what they'll probably see is the exhaust just shifted over enough to one side that it's vibrating, and it's just at a certain speed. Everything has a vibration to it. I don't care what it is. Everything has a vibration to it. You know, even even a gyroscope has a vibration to it. So at certain speeds, you're going to get this vibration, and that's what's going to happen. I'm willing to bet the exhaust is just vibrating off the side of the, you know, somewhere underneath the car or maybe one of the... Uh, the heat shield for the muffler system, uh, when you got hung up on there, that was part of the problem. But you know that's probably what it is. Uh, so, oh. but again, I would bring it into I would bring it into a good shop where they can take a look at it and just say, hey, look, this is what happened. And it might be something as simple as they can just you know they can just sort of bend it back in place, and you're all set after that. Well, that's great. Uh, it's a drive-on lift, you call it. Yeah, well, I would. That's the kind I would rather use because if they put it on a regular. Um, uh, regular lift with the wheels, you know, like the kind, you know, you go by a shop all the time. You see, 
you know, they're doing brake work or rotate tires, and you see them, yep. you know, the, you know, that's a frame contact lift. That when, yep. The only problem with that is you're not going to be able to look at the car the same way as it is when it's laying on the ground. So, um, so a, a good, you know, a drive-on style lift is usually the best way to be able to look at problems like this. And really, it's one of those things that, you know, most most shops have them for alignment work or quick inspections, things like that. Uh, so, but it, you know, any good shop, whether it's you know Junior's Automotive or Sullivan Tire, you know, they they all have the capability to do something easy like this, and they should be able to take care of you with no problem. Okay. Thank okay, you, Paul. All right. Take yeah. care, Lenny. Bye bye. Okay. You too. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty is how you get through and. Talk to us about your car problem. Speaking of problems, I heard from uh, uh, the folks from RepairPal last week. RepairPal was going to join us on the show last week. Uh, Jill, their uh, technical person, uh, who was going to tell us about which car models are more expensive and affordable to fix. And apparently she had phone problems all weekend, which is why we left her messages. And apparently she was ready to go, but... That didn't that didn't happen the way it was supposed to, and who knows? Maybe we'll be able to get her back on. But they did a whole study of which cars are cheapest to own, which ones can be more expensive to own, um, and she said the top most expensive car models to repair. And this is interesting if you're thinking about going out and buying a used car. And this is 2010 models, so this is these are cars that people buy for. You know, first cars sometimes, or second cars, or even third cars in a family. The most expensive car to buy and maintain, or actually maintain, is the Lincoln MKZ, followed by the Audi A4, followed by the Lexus IS250. I'm a little surprised with that one. Followed by the 2010 Volkswagen Jetta, the Passat. So Volkswagens are coming in at the top of the list. In fact, it looks like a lot of the German cars are. BMW, Mercedes, then Mitsubishi Lancer, uh, you're going to spend a little bit more. If you're looking at the most affordable car models to repair, the Nissan Sentra, uh, Lenny's Nissan Altima comes in number two, the Mazda CX-7, the Mazda 6, a good solid mid-sized car, the Ford Explorer, which is a little surprising because it's an SUV, and you would think it'd automatically be more expensive, but not necessarily. It comes in number five followed by the Honda Accord. So just when you think that some of the the, uh, the imports or domestically made imports or whatever you want to call them, Asian cars are going to be the cheapest to maintain, that is not necessarily the case. The Honda Accord sits right in the middle of the list, uh, as does the Mazda 3, the Hyundai Elantra, a little bit lower down on the list, Hyundai Sonata uh, it falls in at number 13, and the most expensive of the cheapest cars to maintain Strangely enough, is the Cadillac CTS. So uh, you look at two, you know, a couple of things. They said two compact models, the Volkswagen Jetta and the Mitsubishi Lancer, are among the ten most expensive. Somewhat surprising, given their relatively low sticker price and presumed general affordability. These models average higher repair costs than many of the luxury models and all of the SUVs. SUVs rank highly among the most affordable models. The CX-7 and Ford Explorer came in three and five as most affordable, with repair costs roughly 30% below average. Repair costs for mid-sized cars closely resemble those of their compact counterparts. Considering the top three most expensive cars to uh, 
repair, the number one highest repair cost belonged to the Lincoln MKZ, which actually had the lowest sticker price and arguably the least amount of fanfare. So uh, kind of interesting statistics, and we are going to have to get Jill back on to kind of go into this. And what they were thinking about, they looked at four common auto repairs, a water pump and alternator, brake pad replacement, and oil change service. So looking at sort of the normal things you would do to a car over you know, some of the regular lifetime, not necessarily big things like transmission issues, but just issues that could possibly come up. Well, I started to uh, talk a little bit about my adventure down in Florida. Uh, what happened was well, there's a lot of a lot of things going on. Uh, I like I said to Junior, you know, and Junior's a guy I've known him for 30 years. I don't think he's ever taken a vacation day, but um, I try to take a little vacation once in a while. And it's been since January, and uh, and I said, you know, it's about time to take a little bit of vacation time. So my wife and I went down to down to Florida, and um, you and we uh, we went down there and we stayed at a nice little place in Hollywood, Florida called the DeSoto. Steve runs that, and uh, just uh, you know it worked it worked out good. Hey John, you have two calls. Well, why don't we take one of those calls and see what's going on? Good morning, you're on the Car Doctor program. Good morning, John Paul. Good morning. How are you? Oh, it was fun seeing that. You got away to Florida. We heard about the little. Uh plane problem you had because the local miles went off. Yeah, it was either, one of two things either happened. It said, uh, they said either somebody decided to take a vapor a vapor pen into one of the bathrooms. And you know how you, when you're on a plane, they always say, you know, don't, don't play with the smoke detectors? Yeah. Well, um, either someone did that or what I think happened, the climate control system uh, shut down. Because they shut down the uh, they shut down the ventilation system inside the plane, but uh, it was uh, it was an interesting experience. And and one of the flight attendants, my wife said to me, and and you know you you very seldom get to sit next to each other on a plane anymore. And uh, it's it's interesting, uh, you know. My I was looking at different things. My wife was looking at different things. She said, "I'm pretty sure one of the flight attendants looks like she was going to cry." So that's not a good sign. No, that's pretty great that you had a great airline that could swap the plane so fast. Yeah, that that was, I think, one of the reasons behind that was the um, the, the part of it was a, a lot of the people on this plane were going on a cruise. Yeah. And I think because they were going they were going on a cruise, they needed to get these people where they were going to go. And it was Southwest. And Southwest, uh, you know, they went around at the end at the end of it, and they handed out these little cards, and they said, you know, thank you for being a great passenger. And, I mean, it wasn't their fault. They had, you know, especially if it was some knucklehead that went into the bathroom to have a cigarette, you know. <laughs> you know, so, so it was... Uh, you know, but when they come over and they said no, you know, you know how you said you were going to take responsibility if something happens and you're going to sit in these emergency seats. Well, they were really true about it this time. Yeah, that was that, that, that's an interesting way to get down to Florida. Yeah, and and you know, it really wasn't. It was a really early morning flight. It was a six a.m. flight out of uh, out of Green down in in uh, Rhode Island. And you know, the idea was we were going to be in Florida having breakfast by nine thirty in the morning. Yeah, it was more like we had lunch at twelve o'clock, so it still wasn't that bad. Yeah, it sounded like a good, fun getaway. Yeah, well, you know, it would have been it would have been more fun without the without the excitement. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I felt I felt, uh, you know, I, I I guess I never felt like I was 
really going to be in danger. So, um, you know, maybe I was just being, maybe I was just being stupid, but I didn't feel like I was going to be in danger, but, um, but you know, although it was kind of funny, the the flight attendant looked out the window at one point and said, "Ooh, that's a good sign." The landing gear came down. <laughs> so, you know, that must have increased the alcohol beverages and take the edge off. Yeah, I, I would. I would think. I would think the. You know, the, they. They. Well, it's kind of funny though. They. They didn't really let anybody. You had to get off the plane. And they had everybody just kind of hanging around. I would have thought that would have been the first place people would have been going to the bar. So I think they were lucky. It was only from Orlando to Fort Lauderdale. It's probably only a thirty-five minute flight. So I don't. They didn't even have time to roll the drink cart out. Oh my gosh, that is a quick stop. But I did notice a couple people sitting next to me said, as soon as they get on the cruise ship, the first place they were going to was the bar. So yeah, everybody has to have that little incentive. Yeah, some something like that. So no, but it was. Uh, we like I said, we stayed at this little place called the Desoto Inn. Nice little place down in Florida. It's uh, in, in it's actually um, it's actually in Hollywood, Florida. Uh, just a, a nice nice little nice little small place. Real friendly people that are down there, and you know, in 60, 60 uh, steps to the beach, and maybe a hundred, maybe a couple hundred steps to the intercoastal. So it was just kind of a nice nice little area. But the whole area, that Hollywood, Florida area, is. Uh, used to be old Florida. That's what Florida used to look like. But they put in a big, giant Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville hotel. They put in a casino in, which was it, it was open, but it wasn't. It, you know, they were still working on it. They're kind of taking away the old Hollywood charm. Um, and you got you got the horse track down there too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff down there. And uh, but they're they're making it look like the rest of Florida now, and less like uh, less like that little getaway area that it used to be. But I'm sure your wife said you were such a great guy that you want to do it again in February. Uh, yeah, something actually more like in December because uh, December will be married 40 years and uh, and uh, she has a she has a big birthday about a month or so before that. So great. Yeah. So so I think so I think I'm obligated to do something. I did notice in my email Southwest sent me sent me something that said you know we we, we want to apologize. So I haven't looked at it to see whether apology means a free airline ticket, but I hope so. Great, great Southwest airline. That's a great airline. Yeah, it it is, and and you know they're they're serious about what they do. They don't take them they don't take themselves as seriously. Sometimes uh, I remember we we landed. We were coming back from somewhere, and we were on one of the planes that has like the uh, you know two seats on one side, three seats in the middle, and two seats on the other side. So a wide body plane, and we hit the runway a little bit hard, and the flight attendant gets up and she she says. She she looked. Everybody kind of w- was a little shocked the way the plane hit, and she said, "Yeah, sometimes these big girls land a little hard." Yeah, yeah, you have to get used to it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but but she just she just laughed it off, and she said, "Yeah, sometimes sometimes these short runways and these big planes, you know, they land a little bit hard." But the way she said it, though, sometimes these big girls land hard, and everybody laughed, and it was all better afterwards. So, hey, speaking of Junior Tomato. He always says that he runs synthetic oil in his, like, snow blowers and lawn equipment. Now, most of the lawn equipment wants 30-weight oil, and synthetic oils really don't run straight 30-weight. Yeah. Can I get by with, like, a 1030? Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, I've been using I've been using 1030, and, you know, I don't have I don't have a, you know, a lot of stuff. You know, I got a snow blower and a lawnmower and, yeah, same you know. 
and but I've been using 1030 synthetic, and I got to tell you, in the winter time, I have uh, I have for some reason I have two snow blowers. One's a one's a bigger one, and one's one of those little single stage ones. And in both of them, I run the 1030, and the bigger one that's got the it's a it's one that essentially came out of a junkyard, I think. But that one that one has an electric starter on it, and since I started using the synthetic oil in it, I don't even use the electric start. It it spins over pretty easy in the winter time, so. The same with the lawnmower. Yeah, the the lawnmower. The lawnmower. I, I, you know, usually the oil that when I do on the rare occasion I do change it, it's usually that it's usually that mixture of leftover oil from changing oil in the cars that you know two different brands of 1030 and you know lawnmower is not even going to hold a quart, so yeah. it usually works out. All right, that's the tip I wanted to hear. Okay, thanks a lot. All right, take care now. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven. Seven seventy thirty thirty. Uh, why don't we see if we have another call? You do. Good morning. We're on the car doctor. You're on the car doctor program. Hello. Hello. Oh, hi, John. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Good sure. Morning. Um, I just have one question. Uh, it's concerning a 1998 Chevy S10 with a four-cylinder with 60,000 miles, and I've just done every fluid change possible because of the low mileage. Yep. However, it's really letting me down because of the really poor gas mileage. Hmm. I mean, on a good day, I might get 17. So I have to look at the vehicle to make sure I'm not driving a 69 Roadrunner with a 383. And you know, yeah, you probably you probably know that right away as soon as you start it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish I was in that tax bracket to have the real deal, but. Um, you know, you go to these lovely dealerships, as I call them, Mr. Haney Garages. Remember him from Green? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I told them, and they have a special sauce. They put in some kind of canister that the exhaust runs through and is supposed to clean something or other. And, you know, you're looking at quite a bit of ch- uh, coin to get that rectified. So that's my question. Is there anything I can do myself to help the gas mileage? Because I've done everything, you know, common sense tells you to do. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what year it is again. It's a 1998. Yeah, you know what I would what I would do. I would want to make sure that you know first off the you know the engine the engine's the engine. So you're gonna you know if it's running efficiently, the check engine lights off. It's doing everything it's supposed to do. It's coming up to temperature. It's running hot. You know you because sometimes what happens is the you know thermostats stay a little open. They cool, let the engine run 10 or 15 degrees cooler. That's going to cause it to take away a little bit of fuel economy. Uh, things like that can take. So as long as the engine's good, and then as long as the transmission's going into, you know, going into overdrive the way it should, now all of a sudden you've ruled out the engine and transmission are doing everything they should do. The, th- the third thing is, let's make sure it's rolling the way it should. You know, could it be that there's a brake that's hanging up a little bit or uh you know, you think about you think about you know simple things like tire pressure. You know, you you go you know you go ride a bicycle with twenty pounds of air in the tires, and you ride a bicycle with forty pounds of air in the tires, and you find out you have to work a lot a lot less hard when the tires are properly inflated. So I would want to make sure that you're you're not looking at something like a, a parking brake that's hanging up a little bit or a brake caliper that's hanging up a little bit, just enough to make that make that engine have to work a little bit harder than it should. Yeah, I've done all those things. So just two two basic uh, synopsis here. I, this mystery canister they're talking about, do you know anything about that the exhaust uh, manifold or something supposed yeah, to Yeah, what what it is, it's just it's it's basically a it's basically an additive that 
they disconnect the fuel system of the car. They add this to uh, they add this in place of the fuel or else in conjunction with the fuel, and it's just a heavy duty carbon cleaner that cleans you know cleans out the injectors, cleans out the uh, intake, cleans out the uh, carbon that builds up on the back of the valves, and it's going to make the car run better. But is it? Could you go out and buy a couple of bottles of Tecron or some other, you know, good quality fuel injector cleaner? Add that to the engine and see if it see if it makes a difference. It might. This is no. What they're doing to your car now is no different than, you know, forty years ago. We used to um, we used to take a, a vacuum line off of the intake manifold, and we used to hook up that vacuum line to a bottle of water and siphon some of the water into the engine and basically, you know, for want of a better word, steam clean the inside of the engine. The problem is the difference between water and this chemical is water will break off the carbon in chunks, which can be you don't want a chunk of carbon banging around inside your combustion chamber, where these chemicals take it off in layers and help clean it. And what they what they say, like 160 bucks or something to do it? Yeah, double that. Don't, really? Really? That's so, really so they're probably so they're probably doing that, and they're probably doing a real thorough cleaning of the throttle plate, and you know. But short of that, I don't. I can't imagine it's. You know, it, all it really is is cleaning out the intake, the intake manifold, and cleaning out the the uh, through the intake and the intake valves in the top of the combustion chamber. So, um, you know, I I look at that. I'd also again look at you know old fashioned. Even though there isn't a lot, you know, you don't think about timing, but you know, is the timing off? Is you know is there something there's just something basic that you're just missing? Um, like I said, the one that I would be concerned about is um, is the engine running at the right temperature? Is it running just where it's supposed to run? Is this a which engine's in this? Do you know? Uh, I think it's a two point two. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. is it is it? You said it was an S ten, right? Uh huh. Yeah, and um, it's two wheel drive or four? Yeah, two. Two-wheel drive. So, I mean, so that should that should be pretty economical. But you say the best you do out on the high, is it out on the highway that you're getting that kind of mileage? Yeah, I, or? Mean, I mean, I baby it, and on the highway, I stay at sixty or below. And yep. At the, on a good day, I get seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. I I would I would have. What did what did you used to get on it? You remember? I don't know because I, I just acquired oh. this. Uh, oh, okay. To go. Yeah. So yeah, I would expect a little four-cylinder engine like that out on the highway. That you should be getting something like twenty one or twenty two, although probably not much more than that, though. Oh, that's okay. I mean, that's that's wonderful if I could get even close to that. Yeah. So, so this. Uh, let me just ask you quickly: the the canister or whatever this procedure that you just described is that something only a dealership can do? No, the independent shops have that too. Oh, yeah. And also, yeah. if you um, uh, if you put on the brake, say you're just pulling out of your driveway, and then you just stop. And then you find that your one of your wheels is locking up, uh, you know, when you're not even doing five miles an hour. But then when you get driving, uh, everything's okay. Is that telling me something? As yes. Well? Yes. Yeah. Which wheel is it? I think it's the left rear. Yeah. It's you either have a a leaky rear seal back there. You could have a you could have a, a brake brake shoe that is uh, that the hold down is uh, bad. It could be the backing plate on the brake shoe has started to the backing plate where the brakes mount up against is starting to rot out, uh, which was fairly common on some of those. 
But that could be that could be the hint of what's going on with your fuel economy. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. you know, when you get when you get running with it and it doesn't lock up anymore, what is that telling me? Well, it, what it's telling you is everything's kind of got back in the place where it should be. But I'm oh. still wondering if you have a, a a wheel cylinder that's hanging up, or like I said, it, there's enough wear on the backing plate, or even some of those backing plates started to started to rust. The other thing that is possible too, um, and can affect fuel economy is the evaporative canister, the thing that stores all the fumes that come out of the come out of the gas tank. If that if if that has a problem where it's where it's actually um, taking raw gas vapors out of the tank, that's going to cause it to run a little bit rich. It's going to cause it to use a little bit more fuel than it should. Uh, so I would you'll see that thing. It looks like a you know it looks like a, a round black plastic tank with a few hoses connected to it. Uh, that that are under the under the hood, and one of those hoses goes up into the intake manifold. Pull the hose off if you if you can you know tap the end of the hose on your finger and you detect any liquid fuel. You know if it comes out a couple of drops of fuel come out of that 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 whole uh, evaporative canister system is going bad, and that's sucking fuel right out of the fuel tank and burning it into the engine, which you know can have an effect on on fuel economy too. So. You have a couple things to look at. I look at that brake problem first. There's, there's something going on with the brakes back there that, that, besides being a safety issue, I think might be the, you know, one of the causes of, of your problem. Oh, yeah. And what is that uh, device you just described, that uh, canister? The uh, It's called an evaporative canister. Okay. And it's probably mounted, you know, front left corner, front driver corner of the fender somewhere. And it's, you know, it's about the size of a, you know, number 10 juice can with uh, only, it's made, uh, I think on yours, made out of plastic with, you know, three or four vacuum lines going to it. Okay, that's under the hood. Uh, yeah, that's under the hood, and one of those is going to be a good size vacuum line, probably half an inch in diameter. That's going to go up to the intake manifold. Like I said, if you pull that off and you detect any liquid fuel, you tap it on your, you know, tap it on your hand, and you see any liquid fuel, that's going to tell you that canister system's gone bad. There's a, um, and that that's actually sucking fuel right out of the tank. So, it oh. normally will make the engine run a little bit rough or a low idle but it when it's underway it can be that can be part of the problem so i'd look at that too optimum mileage on that what do you think i should be getting it's only got sixty thousand miles on it yeah i like i said i i i have to think that you know somewhere somewhere out there you know i i wouldn't expect more than 20 or 21 maybe so you're you're not going to get you're not going to get fuel you know you're not going to get great economy with that because that little engine's got to work pretty hard, and the the other the other part of it is that um, you know it, it's not the most aerodynamic vehicle in the world, so you know so that that can be you know that can be uh, you know one of the things you know who you know who knows when when that when that first came. Well, let's take a look. You said it was a ninety eight ninety eight. Let's see what let's see what the EPA said you were supposed to do. Way way back then, so, and you know these numbers they've kind of readjusted them since then. So, let's see. So, who knew they made an S10 electric pickup back in '98? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, two plus two autom- automatic transmission. Yes. Uh, Seventeen city, twenty-four highway, nineteen mi- nineteen combined is what you oh, should that- do. That's euphoria. Yeah, well, uh, you know, if you had the if you had the much more powerful six cylinder, you would have been right around the mileage you're getting. 
No you kidding. Know, yeah, it was right around 17 combined. So, oh, so, oh, I see. So you're not, you know, realistically, you're, you know, you're close. You know, they they have a thing where people can actually put in their real time mileage, where people where people kind of write in and and say, you know, what what uh, you know people are really seeing. Um, yeah, 19, 19, 20, a few people got 21, a few people got 23, just about nobody got 24. So you're, you're on the low end. So again, I would spend a little bit more time and, and see, you know, look for a few more things. I'd look for that EVAP system to see if that purge valve is bad in the EVAP system. I'd also, I'd want to get that brake system taken care of just to, just to see what, just to see what it is, because, you know, it's, even though it's a relatively new vehicle, I mean, relatively low mileage vehicle, it still is old and rust can get to it. So I'd still want to be looking at uh, wheel cylinders in the back just to make sure that there's something not hanging up because, you know, even, even way back, I can remember even way back when they, they had some problems and, uh, uh, you know, just, just look for things. Uh, you know, the other thing they had with a lot of, brake problems on GM trucks was the ABS would activate by itself. But if you're but if you're having one wheel that you can feel feels like it's walking up, that's got nothing to do with the ABS. I would want to pull that pull those uh, rear drums off and take a good look back there and see what's going on. Oh, wonderful! Well, God bless you, John, and thank you. And uh, last question: Are you going to the New England Dragway at all this summer? I, I, you know, I haven't been up I haven't been up there in a long time, and. It's so close, there's no excuse not to. I went up there about two years ago, uh, right after the show on a Saturday, and it was they were doing a lot of time trials, and I hadn't been up there for years before that. I actually actually recognized some of the same people still up there. It's They've done a lot of work to the drag strip. Uh, the Tasca family actually put a, I think, uh, with uh, Tasca and Ford, put a lot of money into that track up there. So it, it's good to see it's good to see it going, and, and uh, I guess with... Uh, Whatever level of attention deficit disorder or whatever I have, uh, I like I like the races that end real quick. So, you know, well, you should, Na- uh, NASCAR takes too long for me. You should go to uh, Frank Holly Drag Racing School. Yeah, I don't think I can afford to go there. No, they got different brackets. Yeah, but I don't want to. I don't want to keep you. You're the best, John, and uh, congratulations on everything and uh, many blessings. Thanks. And, so and much, you know, and the good thing the plane didn't crash, so you know it's all good. Yeah, well, you know, Rodney Dangerfield used to say, in our house, we pray after we eat, so you got to yeah. pray all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Take care now. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Yep, bye-bye. 617-770-3030-617-770-3030. Why don't we take another break? I bet it's. I bet we're overdue for that. Marita, how about, uh, think it's time for another break? Sounds good to me. All right. You're listening to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston if you would like to join us, we have a line or two open at 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. W-R-O-L Boston. 
Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. Don't you just hate the hassle of car buying? Make it easy by finding your financing first. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman. As a member of the City of Boston Credit Union for over two decades, I know that they always put their members first with some of the most competitive car rates around. You can figure out what you want to spend before you even go shopping. Come visit the City of Boston Credit Union at cityofbostoncu.com and apply today. Or call 617-635-4545. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Equal Opportunity Lender. Sullivan Tire is proud to be New England's Michelin Tire headquarters. Michelin Tires are known for their great tread design, durability, and handling. Stop in to your local Sullivan Tire and Auto Service today and check out our new lower pricing on such tires as the Michelin Premier AS, the Michelin Premier LTX, and so much more. Remember, we'll keep your car running right all season long. Stop in for our thorough factory-scheduled maintenance check. Our ASC certified technicians will check out your battery and charging system, radiator and antifreeze, inspect your tires and air pressure, brakes, all system fluids, steering and suspension, belts, hoses, the exhaust system, exterior lights, wiper blades, and more. Head to any of our 68 locations to save big on a great selection of Michelin tires and check out the best auto maintenance in the industry. Call 877-592-TIRE or visit SullivanTire.com. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. Now, let's get back to the Car Doctor program. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program. If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030 is how you get through and talk to us about your car and your car problems. And uh, we'll try to help you with what we can. I got an email from somebody who read my column in the Providence Journal today, and it was about someone who about seatbelt use and although that's not exactly the kind of column it was but they say uh mr paul i enjoy reading your car advice column every week in the providence journal and today's column i feel you weren't firm enough with the writer asking about seatbelts with his mom years ago when i volunteered to drive my mother-in-law on errands when no one else was available she was not in the habit of belting up nor was her husband who was ticketed once for not uh only he not wearing a seatbelt, but his young granddaughter, too. So my not-to-be-argued-with-in-law is, you get in my car, you wear the seatbelt or take a cab. When my kids start driving, of course, they didn't uh, want to wear a seatbelt. I nagged enough, and maybe they just got older and realized the benefit of being belted. Uh, maybe they had been caught without a seatbelt, whatever. They now belt up as soon as they get in the car. Gratifying, about 15 years ago, my sister-in-law uh daughter of the above in-laws was in a horrific crash alone no seatbelt came within an inch of losing her life once recovered she took over a year she became a staunch 
advocate of seatbelts, eventually everyone learns this letter is long because I feel so strongly about this. Ditto for texting behind the wheel. It can't be emphasized enough. Kathy Viveros, who reads my column in the Providence Journal. So, yeah, you know, people just need to wear their seatbelts. That's all there is to it. So, um, so you know, get out there and wear your, wear, wear your seatbelts. That's, that's what you need to do. So, uh, the... Also in the column this uh, in the Providence Journal this week, we had we had a question about Honda Accords and brake issues. And what I said was, you know, the the Honda Accord is a pretty good car, but it has, you know, they they have had a lot of brake problems over the years. And in fact, uh, they were bad enough there was a class action suit about brake problems. So uh, one of one of those things you look at you look at all models, and, and you know they all have different problems. So. Uh, another person wrote in to me and said, uh, I, I uh, follow you at, on the AAA newsletter. Uh, what is your input on this? I own a 2008 Chevrolet Cobalt LS with a little over 100,000 miles. I recently had a throttle position sensor put in because a code reading and added a mass air filter, I think she means mass air flows uh, meter. Technician told me the car reset itself. Uh, but give it seven days after installing these two parts, the car continued to drive the same terrible way. After eight days, they returned. Uh, the check engine light came on with a different code, uh, some sort of code related to the oxygen sensor. car refused to ride even worse since the sensor was installed. Where do I go from here? Uh, even though you spent all this money with the repair shop, maybe it's time to think about a different shop because... They picked up a code PO171, Bank 1, which is a oxygen sensor issue, but not necessarily a faulty oxygen sensor. So you need to, you can't just automatically assume it's that. That could be a leak in the, a leak in the exhaust system, for instance, which could cause a problem where that sensor is, is not getting the real information it should. This is uh, not an old car. I mean, I guess it is nine years old or uh, eight or nine years old, uh, but it's old enough where it can have some of these kind of problems. So you can't just automatically jump on the fact that it looks like, oh, it looks like it's an oxygen sensor problem, when in fact uh, it's it's leaning towards the direction of something could be wrong, but not enough where it's the sensor, the sensor is reading something that's not wrong. So combination of things to look at. So you can check it out and see see what they are. It's too often, sometimes people just go by the code and it says uh, bank one, uh, uh, sensor one. Oh, I'll just put one of those in. When in fact, that's not it at all. And in fact, sometimes it can be um, it can be just the reading that is seeing, which can be part of the problem. Our phone number again: six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. If you won trivia last week, you didn't get a prize yet because, well, I was on vacation. Actually, it was my birthday too, so. A combination of things kept me, kept me, kept me away from work, and uh, and uh, uh, but I'll be back this week, and I will I will mail out your trivia prize. I have your note all all set aside. Uh, Jaguar has actually come out with an SUV. It's called the F Pace, and they're jumping uh, into this uh, market. They're they're coming out with uh, two powertrains in it, a 340 and 380 horsepower. Uh, version that's using a three-liter supercharged V6 engine, and then uh, there'll also be a two-liter four-cylinder turbo diesel 
which will debut sometime in September. Uh, features will include all-wheel drive and eight-speed automatic transmission, lightweight aluminum architecture, a 10-inch touchscreen for infotainment and vehicle settings. Like I said, I'm not wild about not wild about these touchscreens. Um, a wearable waterproof wristband key. I already wear enough stuff on my wrist. But, yeah, they're having this wearable waterproof wristband key. So rather than have a key, you wear this thing that looks like a um, one of those things that tracks, tracks how much exercise you get. And uh, I guess it knows that your car is there. All-service uh, uh, progress uh, control, low-speed off-road system, park assist, stereo camera. Just when you don't think there's enough cameras in cars, they have stereo cameras. Autonomous emergency braking with pedestrian detection, lane departure, lane keep assist, traffic sign recognition, laser heads-up display, and adaptive cruise control. They're hoping to compete with cars like the BMW X3, the Lexus NX, the Audi Q5, the Mercedes-Benz GLC, BMW X4, and the Porsche Macan. Uh, According to this article, it says, its strengths are agile and spirited handling with a focus on performance rather than utility. Weakness, despite major improvements in quality, Jaguar still has a poor image with U.S. buyers. Uh, well, I mean, that's, you know, the old days of Jaguar having two of everything that broke twice as often, I don't think is fair anymore. I think Jaguars are actually doing a pretty good job. A recent uh, media test drive through the mountains of uh, Montenegro showed the F-Pace can hold a road, pass, and climb hills without sacrificing comfort. Uh, they compared it to the BMW X3. The Jaguar is a little bit bigger all the way around, about three inches. Uh, it's wider. It's a wider vehicle than the BMW. It's about the same height within half an inch. It weighs about the same. It uh, produces about 100 horsepower more out of the V6 versus the four-cylinder engine that's in the uh, in the BMW. And uh, torque, lots more torque, about 70 pound feet of torque more fuel economy pretty you know you know you you have the fuel economy penalty 18 city 23 highway 21 city 28 highway in the bmw and uh base price uh 43,000 for the jaguar f-pace 41 for the bmw who would have ever thought that jaguar would build a sport utility vehicle They're also they're also hoping to uh, get a younger buyer for these vehicles. Jaguar's new F-Pace uh, compact crossover will be the key vehicle to boost the brand's lackluster U.S. sales, according to one of their top executives. They say when this thing goes on sale, they're hoping to attract a younger buyer. Well, maybe they should just uh, go sell them in Fort Lauderdale. I took a ride to Fort Lauderdale and went out on a um, one of those. Uh, water shuttles and we just did it for something to do we just uh went for it was kind of a the weather in florida wasn't great if you if you watch the the weather channel or any of those they had tornadoes and uh some pretty rainy weather we fortunately didn't get involved in any tornadoes but it was a little it was a little overcast it was 85 degrees most of the time but the weather wasn't weather wasn't uh you know perfectly sunny florida weather but it was um when we're out. We we went down to where uh, all the big money is in Fort Lauderdale and went by some cruise ships. And they described, or not cruise ships, uh, personal yachts. 
and they described them as being about a million dollars a meter. So a meter is a little over three feet long. Uh, some of these ships were about 150 uh, feet in length. One of them actually looked like a military vessel. It uh, had this really odd look to it and kind of painted battleship gray, and apparently it belonged to one of the uh, Microsoft people who invented the Microsoft Office uh, suite. Uh, so good money in that. Also went by a very nice mansion on a sort of uh, little point lot right on the intercoastal, uh, not far from the Atlantic, and it was owned by the person who has uh, who 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 uh, runs the magazine, uh, the Harley Davidson magazine. So uh, so it was sort of interesting that apparently magazine magazine people still make big money because that had to be. I guess pretty much all the mansions there, uh, I, and I can't remember now if it was American Iron Magazine, it was, uh, but it was one of the Harley magazines, and it was uh, about a $20 million house, which apparently all of these mansions run in the $20 million range. What was interesting to see, some of the older houses, uh, one belonged to Merv Griffin, and, uh, and one belonged to uh, Sonny and Cher, and compared to the new ones they're building, they were they were looked like you know they were looked pretty pretty basic looking houses. They were they were they were nicely situated, but they weren't these thirty thousand forty thousand square foot homes. Uh, we went by a, a home that belongs to Jim Moran. Jim Moran is the the um, distributor for Toyota in the southeast, and his house is probably in the forty thousand square foot range. We went by the home of the people that used to own the Sunglass Hut, who apparently sold the Sunglass Hut business and then bought controlling interest in L'Oreal, the cosmetics company. They actually had a 30,000-square-foot house, just a husband and wife, big, big, huge house. The joke on the, on the boat was that's how they've stayed married because they can never find each other in the house. But they also had three yachts, a small, medium, and large, and by small, I guess it was about 110 feet. The medium was about 140, and the other one was about 170 feet. And uh, and they have them out for for uh, rental use, I guess. So testing, testing, testing. Hey, if it isn't if it isn't Paul Sullivan. Hey, lazy pants, where are you? Uh, well, I you're well, in a remote location, right? Uh, well, it's you know we started off, uh, you know I started off uh, a week or so ago saying to. Marita, I think I'm I'm coming home late Friday night. Uh, I think I'm going to you know get that extra hour of sleep or so, which I didn't get by the way. <laughs> and then uh, you know do do the show from the comfort of my basement. Nice, sound uh, good. Well, here's where here's where things went bad. <laughs> uh, the BrickLink apparently had some problems, so Marita sends me a a text message and says, uh, "Oh, by the way, uh, BrickLink's broken." So. I said, oh, okay, we're using it for something else. Something else, something else happened. So I said, well, that's fine. I'll come in a little sleep-deprived and just come into the station. Then she sent me a text message a little bit later and said, hey, they fixed it. All's good. I said, great. So, you know, went to call in this morning. She could, I could hear her, but she couldn't hear me for whatever reason. So that didn't go particularly well. And then I said, well, I still have my other thing, my Comrex hotline that uses a phone line. I hooked that all up, and 
apparently they're using the hotline at the studio to for some other reason. So it just was a busy signal, so I couldn't connect to it, even though I tested it somewhere else and it worked fine. So I'm basically on a microphone that's connected through a box that's connected through something else and over a phone line. And so. if I'm understanding things correctly, your entire week had you fighting with equipment of one kind or another. And one kind or another, planes catching fire yeah. or, yeah, or, or, or something. So. Heavy equipment, electronics, none of them are your not, friends. Not, yeah, I'm, I'm just not. I think I think I need to, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, become, uh, I don't know, uh, should I should I start wearing black and just get a horse and a buggy and you know? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I was listening to you saying, you know, when I'm on a plane, I like the long-legged place, and exactly. that's usually near the emergency exit. And right. of course, the the uh, flight attendant will come over and say, you know, you're responsible for doing X, Y, Z, and I'm yeah, 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 sure, yeah, okay, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> I don't know what I would do if someone actually said, you know, now you're on. Well, the the, the the two young women who were sitting next to me. Uh, well, wait a minute. Them, stop. Why it, weren't you sitting next to your wife? Because it was Southwest. You know, you can't, you know, you can't, you take whatever seats available. You know, it was hard to get two seats together. Yeah. If you're in section yeah. C. I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Continue. And, uh, and one of them all of a sudden said, I want to sit next to my husband, and the other one said, "I want to." So they tried to like shuffle around, and I said, "I'll just, I'll, I don't care where I sit." And and at one point, my my wife and I were sitting sort of opposite rows, but she was sitting in the window, and I was sitting at the window at the other side, so we could sort of see each other. And she waved to me at one point and said, "Oh, happy birthday!" <laughs> <laughs> but, but you said you weren't, you weren't, you know. I mean, it's not normal, but you said you weren't scared. No, but other I'm people not, seem to be. Yeah, I mean the 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 two the two girls that were sitting next to us. I mean they they were they one of them started to cry and I said, look, I mm. said, you know I you know we're all going to die someday. I just don't think it's today. Yep. You know, and which is actually uh, kind of a I sort of stole that from a, a terrible science fiction movie called Battleship, where where it's the guy how you talk in movies yeah, under stress. Yeah, yeah. yeah, where 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 the where the uh, where the guy says, you're going to die, I'm going to die, we're just not going to die today. Right, you know, and good. So, well, you know, wait, did, was there any smoke? Did you see any smoke? I didn't, I didn't see any smoke, but what they shut off the they shut off the majority of the ventilation system. They said, open up the little you know, air things, but the plane's going to get hot. Right, because you're and, flying over Florida. Yeah, and the other, the other interesting part was how they detect if there's a fire in a plane. They go around, the flight attendants go around, and they touch all the insides of the cabinets. Okay. I would have expected something more sophisticated than, ooh, it's hot. Hey, you're the one that wants the knobs on the radio in the car. You know, sometimes you have to use your hand. Yeah, but it was sort of interesting, you know, the, the plane lands and then, you know, six firefighters come on the plane. Yeah. And look around and, you know, and and we're, no one's really saying, they're saying they think it was actually someone who might have decided they wanted to have a cigarette in the bathroom. Yeah. Don't you yeah. think so? I, I, I think it might have been the climate control. Well, now you, now you check all the passengers for cigarettes. That's well, what I would have done. And, and those vapor pens, which I think is what a lot of people say, well, well this isn't real smoke, but right. it's just, it's the thing they use to test smoke detectors. Mm-hmm. You know, so, <laughs> so of course it's going to set a smoke detector off. But Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah, well, so, now, uh, enjoy your commute home because you're out of time. Um, I, I am. Yeah. Well, good to know. So, yeah. hey, I can so, hear the piano player in the background. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> hey, say, they, say bye-bye, and I'll talk uh, to you next week. All right. <laughs> Stay tuned for the very best in Irish music with Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade. Coming up next, 
My name is John Paul. This has been the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Until next week, wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. W-R-O-L Boston, the spirit of Boston. A service of Salem Media Group.